We're going to jump right in tonight to our, our passage in uh, the book of Hebrews. So if you have your Bibles, open to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, I believe that the Lord has uh, something for you tonight. Do you believe that? That's why you're here, right? On a Sunday night on Mother's Day, you're here because you believe the Lord's got something for you from his word. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, I want to just start again with the first verse and remind you what we're talking about. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, now faith, everybody say faith. Faith is the assurance or the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What is conviction? Conviction is that just unwavering determination that you believe something to be true no matter what happens. You you are convinced. Conviction. You're fully convinced in your mind. And so to have faith is to be fully convinced of things that you do not see with your natural eyes. And when we receive the word of God, when we hear God's word, that's what it takes to believe God's word. It takes faith to be convinced of what we do not see. Now, the manifestation of faith, we've talked about this week in and week out, but faith manifests itself in obedience to God's word. So I believe it, therefore I will obey it. Amen? In spite of the circumstances, consequences, or outcomes, I'm going to stand on the word of God, whether it goes good for me or bad for me. Whether it profits me or I I lose because I stand on the word of God. Whatever the outcome, whatever the consequences, because I am convinced by faith that God's word is true. And so that's what we're talking about. We've seen it over and over and over again, how these people of faith stood on the word of God. They had this confidence in the word of God, and therefore they took action and obeyed the word of God. And we want to be people like that. Amen. That's the kind of people we want to be. That's the kind of person I want to be. Is that it's, I don't just obey God's word when it's convenient. I don't just obey God's word when it's easy. I don't just obey God's word when, when all of the, the dominoes are lined up perfectly. No, we obey God's word when things are good and when things are bad. In, in the midst of everything just going easy and, and life is good and God's blessing is flowing, and we obey God's word in the midst of chaos too. We obey God's word. That's what faith looks like. Obedience to the word of God. And so we looked at Abraham, and we looked at Enoch, and we looked at Abel, and we looked at Moses, and we looked at Moses' parents. We've looked at all of these heroes of the faith. Last week, we looked at the children of Israel, how they went across the Red Sea by faith, and how they, the walls of Jericho came down by faith. And today, that brings us to verse 31 in Hebrews chapter 11. Again, being in the same theme of the walls of Jericho coming down, It tells us about the only inhabitant of that city that we know by name. And her name is Rahab. Rahab. And so we read here in verse uh, 31 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient. 
because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would strengthen us and build our faith tonight as we spend time studying your word. Lord, thank you for these great examples of faith that we have from your word. But God, I pray that you would help each one of us not only to learn from their example of faith, but for us to be that kind of example to somebody else as we live our life of faith for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, flip with me to the book of Joshua. I want to read uh, this story uh, in detail. And so that's from Joshua chapter 2 this evening. Joshua chapter 2. If you recall last week, we read from Joshua chapter 1, where God had told Joshua, be strong, be of good courage, do not be afraid, but also keep the word of God close to you. Keep this book of the law in your mouth and meditate on it day and night, and then your way will prosper, and then you will have good success. They were going in to possess that land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that that first generation could not enter because of their unbelief. But now, 40 years later, another generation has arisen and they're moving forward in faith to take possession of what God had promised to give them. And so in chapter 2, we read the story that Hebrews 11 was talking about. And it may be a familiar story to you, but there's some important points that I want to draw out as we move through it tonight And so I I want to uh, read it, and then we'll walk through it uh, together. So Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly. And I think it's interesting that Moses sent 12 spies, one from every tribe. But then when it comes time for Joshua to send spies, he only sends two spies. And again, remember, there's only two spies that came back with a good report. So I think Joshua sent his two best, most most faith-filled people Instead of sending 12, he sends two. And so he sends two spies to go and spy out the land. And he says, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and they came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. And it was told of the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. The king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men whom you have, whom have come to you, who entered your house. For they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gates were about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where they went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So she hid them up in the roof, in the attic, as it were. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuants had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know, here's faith at work, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. That was 40 years prior when when that happened. Nevertheless, they have heard about it. 
And we have heard what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any of us because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord as I have dealt kindly with you. You also have dealt kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save me alive. My father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet thread or this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and your mother, your brothers and all your father's household, that if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if, we tell, but if you tell this business of ours, and we shall, then we shall be guiltless to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your word, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in her window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned, and the pursuers searched all along the way, and they found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over the Jordan, and they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly, the Lord has given all the land all the, all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Now, in Joshua chapter 6, we read the story of what happened on that day that they surrounded Jericho and the walls came down. In verse 22, it says, The two men who had spied out the land said, Joshua said to them, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men went who had been spies and brought her out, her brothers and her father and her mother and all who belonged to her. And they brought out all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel and they burned the city with fire and everything in it. And verse 25 says, but Rahab the prostitute her father's household, and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. This is an incredible story of faith. And we see it's just very obvious that Rahab is filled with faith. Hebrews 11 tells us that Rahab had faith. We read the story and it puts her faith on display. It's just very obvious that she was a woman of faith. But we have to admit that this is not who you would expect to be the kind of person who would be a woman of faith. 
She's a Canaanite. She, she lives in a land of idol worshipers. These people do not worship Yahweh. They do not worship the Lord. They do not worship the one true God. In fact, that's why God is driving them out of the land. Because of their idolatry, because of their false worship. She, had, she didn't have godly parents. She had Canaanite parents who raised her to worship idols. She's chosen a career field for herself that godly women typically do not pursue, if I could just put it that way. So where did her faith come from? She's this great woman of faith. Where did this faith come from? How did she come upon this faith in Yahweh, the one true God? Well, it tells us in Joshua 2, verse 10. It tells us clearly. Joshua 2, verse 10. She says, we have, what's that word there? We have heard. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. We have heard what you did to the other kings that you fought and battled against. In verse 11, and as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you, because the Lord your God, he is God. In the heavens above and heavens on the earth. Where did her faith come from? Her faith come from hearing about God. Exactly what Romans 10, 17 says, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where did this faith come from? She heard what God did and she believed in God. That's where faith comes from. Faith is birth as we hear the word of God, as we read the word of God, as we study the word of God. It builds our faith. She heard the reports of what God had done. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter 1, 23 says the same thing as Romans 10, 17, but it says it in a little bit different way. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 23, he says, Since you have been born again. How many of you are glad you've been born again? Amen. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. What is the imperishable seed that he's talking about that has caused us to be born again? It's the word of God. Right? Jesus told the, the story of the parable of the, the, the sower going out to sow the seed. The, the word of God is imperishable seed. It is eternal seed. And he says that we have been born again through that Seed going into our hearts. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For, he says, and here he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40. All flesh is like grass and its glory like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the good news, the gospel that was preached to you. Where does, the word, where does faith come from? Where did her faith come from? Where has our faith come from? It has come as a result of hearing the word of God. It births faith in our hearts. She heard about what God did. She heard about what God had done. And when she did, her heart exploded with faith so that she declares, your God 
is God in the heavens and on the earth below. Yeah, there's lots of idols. Yeah, there's lots of false gods. But there's only one big G God, and it is your God. And I want to serve that God. That's why I've invited you into my house. That's why I've hidden you. Because I want to serve the one true and living God. And so for us, the, the, the message for us is that for our faith to be strong and growing, we must saturate our souls in the word of God. Now, I know that you know this. I know I'm preaching to more than the choir tonight. You're the, the elect. <laughs> you're, you're the ones who showed up on Mother's Day, Sunday evening. Amen. Why are you here tonight? To receive the word of God. To have your faith built by the word of God. To, to get your little kids here tonight so that their little ears might hear something of the word of God and have faith in their hearts. I know that you know this. Never, nevertheless, you need to be reminded that nothing will supercharge your walk with the Lord like daily spending time in his word. This is the single greatest indicator of your spiritual health. The single greatest indicator of anyone's spiritual health is how much time they are willing to devote to spending in the Word of God. Now you might say, well, what about prayer? Isn't prayer important? Well, yeah, prayer is important. I talked about it this morning. But how do we know that prayer is important? It's in the Word of God. What about standing firm and, and rejoicing in the Lord and all of these other things? Aren't they important? Yes, they're very important. But how do we know that they're important? Well, they're in the Word of God. How, how do I know these things? How do I know the, these things, I, other disciplines, other practices, other areas of my life that need to be strengthened? It is through our time in the Word of God. It's the single greatest indicator of your spiritual Health, how much time are you spending in the Word? Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We must feast daily on the Word. Think about how weak you would be in your life if you only ate one meal a week. If you only ate one meal a week, how weak would you be? If you only ate four times a month, how weak would you be? Yet, unfortunately, isn't that how many Christians live their life? Going week to week, Sunday to Sunday, they'll come to church, they'll worship God, and we're thankful for that. Receive the word. But then from Monday to Saturday... So oftentimes the word stays closed. Listen, if we want to be strong spiritually, we need to feast daily. We need to eat daily. Just as if we want to be uh, strong and healthy physically, we need to eat every day. At least that's what I tell myself. But we, and, and, and two, there should be a hunger that stirs in our hearts, people of God, for the word of God. To be nourished spiritually, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
we must feast daily, daily on the word. Now, this is not legalism. I'm not telling you that you will earn your right standing before God by how much time you spend in the book. I'm not telling you that you will earn your righteousness or, uh, or earn your salvation by spending time in the word. No, we're saved by grace through faith alone. Amen. Not a result of our own works. So this is not legalism, but this is survival 101. This is how to live as a believer 101. So what was the source of Rahab's faith? Number one, it was the word of God. She heard about what God had done and faith was produced in her life. The second thing I want to look at tonight is the result of Rahab's faith. The result of Rahab's faith. What did she do with that faith? She took action. She acted upon it. We have, if we have genuine faith, and by genuine I mean saving faith, saving faith produces action. Saving faith produces works, good works for God. She had this faith, this genuine faith, and it led to action. We know that faith without works is dead. If we say we have faith but we do not have works, we have dead faith. And here's the whole point of this whole story. Rahab had faith, real and true and genuine faith. Now, her faith wasn't the most well-formed theologically. You wouldn't have wanted her teaching a Bible, a Bible seminary. She didn't know a whole lot about God. She only actually knew very little. But it wasn't the amount that she knew that was important. It was how much she believed what she knew that was important. You see, we can know a lot about God, but if we don't believe it, it's not going to do us any good whatsoever. She just had a thimble full of knowledge of God. But what she knew, she believed with all of her heart. That's what mattered. That's what caused her to take action with her faith. The point is this. Our walk with the Lord is not about how much you know, but it's how much you believe what you know. Do you believe it? I believe we need to be in the word of God daily. I believe we need to study it daily, but we need to make sure that we don't lose sight of the one that we're studying about. We're not just studying to gain knowledge. We're studying to know him, to grow in our walk with him, our relationship with him, our obedience to him. It's not just a, a head exercise. It's not just to gain knowledge so we can win debates on Facebook, God forbid. It's a dangerous thing if all we gain is knowledge but yet refuse to act on it. Because if we know the truth and don't act on it, it hardens our heart actually in unbelief. And so we must take action on what we believe. Rahab had a faith that was alive. She took action on what she believed. And by faith, Rahab hid the spies and told a lie. She lied by faith. I have a hard time getting over that, but that's what she did. She, she lied. When they came and they knocked on her door and said, give, give us the spies, she said, oh, no spies here. They ran off. Go and chase them quickly. You'll find them. I struggle a little bit with this because there is a, you know, God's top ten list. This was number nine on God's top ten list. Do not lie, thou shalt not bear false witness. Nevertheless, she is commended in Scripture for her faith 
and the lie that she told. Now, theologians are split on this, whether she did a good thing or a bad thing. Theologians are, are split on whether she sinned or not. Uh, there's, a, there's a debate going on that. And I, I tend to fall on the side that I do not think that she sinned by what she did. Because if she had, I don't think they would, she would be commended in Scripture over and over again for her faith. It's not just here in Hebrews 11. It's actually in Joshua, the book of Joshua. Uh, I'm sorry, James, the book of James. And also, as we'll see later in Matthew chapter 1. So I don't think she sinned. And so that, that leaves us kind of in, a, in an interesting position. Because we know commandment number 9, thou shalt not bear false witness. Nevertheless, we also see another uh, example of this exact same thing earlier in this hallmark of faith, this, this hall of faith. And that was Moses' parents. Remember Moses' parents? They had the baby. They disobeyed the law of the land. They hid the baby. That's deception. They, they deceive those around them. Nevertheless, they're commended righteous for doing so. And I think where the issue lies, and, and this also reminds me of uh, during World War II, uh, the Tin Boom family. You'll remember the story of Casper of Tin Boom, his daughter, Corey Tin Boom, the Dutch Reformed Protestant who, along with his family, hid Jewish refugees who were escaping from the Holocaust in their home. The authorities would come by and, are there any Jews in here? Nope, no Jews in here. Just minding our own business. Well, we just saw 30 people like come into your house, so but they were helping them escape. Is that immoral? Is that breaking God's law to do that? I don't think so. And I think that in my mind where I've drawn the distinction is, is between uh, personal, the one-on-one -on -one relationship, and then the relationship between an evil corrupt government and an individual. And in all three of these cases, what we have is an evil, corrupt government uh, uh, exalting themselves against God and someone choosing to say, I want to live for God. And I think that there is precedent for disobeying the evil, corrupt, immoral governments when it doesn't align with the law of God, when it doesn't align with the word of God. And so to side with the people of God, the Jewish people that Rahab did, uh, instead of siding with her own people, I think she was showing allegiance uh, actually to the Lord through telling that lie. Now, I'm not advocating for lying, okay? This is not a lesson on how to lie and be good with God. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that I think that there are certain extreme circumstances that, by God's grace, none of us will ever find ourselves in, where this type of deception is justified against an immoral and unrighteous state. That's where I've landed today, anyway. Nevertheless, she acted. That's the point. She took action on her faith. She called them in. She hid them. She made sure that they were safe. And the result was that she was saved. 
she was saved. And that brings us to point number three tonight. And that is from Matthew chapter one. Point number three is from Matthew chapter one. And that is her legacy of faith. Her legacy of faith. We read in Joshua chapter 6 that she lived in Israel unto the day of of Joshua, the book of Joshua being uh, written, that she didn't, and and here this is such a key point, she didn't just escape the destruction that came to her city and then go and still live with ungodly people. No, she joined God's covenant people. She, She became one of the people of God, a worshiper of the true and living God. And because of that, We read about her in Matthew chapter 1 in the New Testament. And of course, this is the lineage of Christ. And in verse 5, it it says, Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. By her faith, God not only honored her faith by bringing salvation to her and her family and her whole household, but God also honored her faith by by grafting her in to the lineage of Christ so that God's own son, Jesus, the savior of mankind, would be birthed through this woman of faith. Through her faith, she became the great, great grandmother of a little shepherd boy named David who grew up to be the greatest king of Israel, King David. The Lord Jesus is a descendant of this woman who had a very checkered past. And what this is all about is in her we see a microcosm, just a a beautiful portrait, a beautiful picture of redemption The story of Rahab, her story is a redemption story. She was living in sin, doomed for destruction, yet she hears the word of God and believes the word of God. And God saves her, spares her, delivers her, redeems and restores her, and then places her into the lineage of his own own son, Jesus. What a beautiful story of redemption. And what this tells us is that no one is too far gone that the word of God cannot reach them. No one is so far away that they cannot be reached by the word of God. You may have friends, you may have family members, there may be people that you know that their hearts are so hard towards God and you think, how in the world could they ever come to faith? Listen, they are not beyond the reach of the word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, Paul, writing to Timothy, says, I am suffering and bound in chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound. And so what we see in Rahab and what we see in our lives and what we see, I believe, even at work in our world today is that God's word brings fruit even in the most unlikely of places. And so that is the source of Rahab's faith, the results of Rahab's faith, and the legacy of Rahab's faith.
And I believe that is a similar story to all of us. We've all come from a life of sin, a life of shame. We've heard the gospel. We've received it. We've believed it. And God has saved us, delivered us, redeemed us, restored us, and brought us into his family, into the family of his son. And now he commissions us to go and to spread his word, to not just be hearers only, but be doers, living it out day by day by day. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this great woman of faith, this example that she is. Lord, she put everything on the line. She risked everything because she believed in you. Lord, help us to be people of faith like that. A faith that puts everything on the line, a faith that is not ashamed, a faith that is not afraid, a faith that steps out with action, believing in you, trusting in your word. Lord, we receive your word tonight with open hearts. We pray that you would produce good fruit in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand uh, this evening.